This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with a great guest. He's a writer, an actor, a storyteller, and I would even say a man about town. It's Brian Bradley. <laughs> Thank you. I am. I'm about town. Yeah, you go about town. You go places. I had to go right through town to get here. <laughs> <laughs> you drive all sorts of places. Absolutely. You can eat, see and be seen. I was in Santa Monica just earlier this oh, morning. Oh, I wonder who saw you there. My dermatologist. <laughs> man about Actually, town. Actually, I should correct that just because we're on the podcast and I want to be honest. Only his nurse. He didn't bother to come in. Oh, he didn't? No. It's just because your skin's awesome, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would that were true. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, we'll shelve that for later, perhaps. Yeah, shelve uh, it. That's but, another podcast. <laughs> another podcast. But A you, dermatology podcast. Let's do it. Oh, Why not? Oh, my God. Let's please do it. Skin obsessed. Nope. Going to take that back right away. Before <laughs> Skin it, obsessed. Before it was all the way out. Took it back. Nope. Not going to do it. All right. Uh, you have been on the podcast uh, a couple times. Yep. Yeah. You uh, you did a great episode with me about X-Men. That's and right. We can pull the curtain back. You played Santa for me. Did I? Did you? Yes. That was the funnest thing of all time. That was so much fun. Improvised Santa being obsessed with... Uh, uh, CrossFit. With CrossFit. Yes. <laughs> I knew it was exercise with CrossFit. You just uh, made up so much much santa legend it's so oh, great yeah it was he gets pretty dark <laughs> as i recall a lot of mythology yeah a lot of mythology well that's me i'm a world builder <laughs> you're a world builder <laughs> uh let's get right into your obsession because it's so juicy uh Ugh. i feel uh, ashamed doing just a, a simple episode about it but but it's uh, such a great topic coen brothers films yes all of them every single one every single one um it was only a couple that i i i uh you know Everybody has a bummer once yeah. in a while, but they have the most incredible record of all time for awesomeness. And is it you know? with the ones that are not your favorite? Is well, there's it's... only really two. Okay. Do you still get things from them? Is it just sort of, of like, course. I mean, of this delicious chocolate cake, these two pieces are not quite as good as the rest of the yeah. chocolate cake? Uh, you know, um, The Man Who Wasn't There is a perfect example. Um, it's, I, I'll, I'll, I'll quote roger ebert about okay. <laughs> it because i think it, it'll it's so much it's more succinct than i could possibly it's a 90 minute film that is two hours long okay and so you know they could be accused sometimes of they're usually not though to be fair to the coen brothers you you could say a lot of things about them and those that don't love them could say this but i would argue that one thing is that th- their films don't rattle on and on no you know, no no, they're, no yeah they're so. they're they're planned out very much and that film is as well it's like it's if anything it's just too airless for too long okay you know but so, uh, yeah, i still love it it's still beautiful noir it's amazing okay cool yeah cool uh so obviously then you love most of their other films so many yes what would you say is and we'll get into more detail about themes of that but what would you say is like the big picture like if somebody if mm. somebody cornered you at a party and said you've got a minute sell me on the coen brothers what what would come to you naturally for your personal love of them well um that's a great question um i think it'll just it's a sort of composite of a few things um one they are um they they make you know by and large they make crime crime films yeah one way or another so i love crime um of all kind <laughs> uh, i love crime fiction i love crime comics i always have okay um so you know so i'm that's an, a I'm an easy mark like they are they are the greatest purveyors of of modern noir um 
yeah. there is. Uh, um, and there, there are certainly other great examples, but I don't think anyone comes as close to the mark as often as yeah. the Cohen brothers do, starting with Blood Simple, you know, which is really began the sort of, to, in the 80s, like the neo-noir thing. Really, Absolutely. In a lot of ways. It's certainly one of them. And so, so I think that, but I think it's more their um, unique combination of like incredible um, airtight filmmaking because they come from a editorial background yeah. and a writing background, um, which doesn't always translate for directors, but it does in their case in a big way. You know, they are really know how to make a well-made movie. Yeah. And nothing happens in their films that doesn't pay off, that isn't there for a reason, um, whether even if that reason's just joy, um, <laughs> but it's all there um, in such a great way. And I think also the other thing about them is fully, you know, just fully unique voice. Yeah. You know, that that voice, nothing like a Coen Brothers film. Yeah. Nothing like it at all. I mean, the, the, the language, the dialogue. Um, the camera angles. The camera yeah. angles that, that range from complicated, you know, Sam Raimi-esque, a big, you know, um, friend and, um, you know, collaborator with them, especially in the early years, you know, um, you know, they, they kind of share that quality, yeah. you know, um, but, they, but even if it's just a, if it's just a shot of two people talking across the desk, it's so put together and so perfect. Yeah. And everything is where it needs to be. And it's effortless. It doesn't seem sweaty and and difficult or over the top. It's always just as it should be. And it just they just make great movies. That makes a lot of sense to me. Because yes. that's the, when I uh, returned to them, because I, I was a big fan, watched almost all of their movies, just kind of fell off just because of life and not getting yeah. to the theater and yeah. hearing mixed And they started to churn more out. Yeah, and, and maybe point. some repetition. So it, now in, in recent years, I'll like, oh, I'll, I'll see one that I haven't yep. seen before. And it, it feels like coming home. Yes. You feel like you are being that every piece of the film has been picked up and considered and it totally. feels like your time is being so they take respected, care of you. right? Yeah, you feel like taking care it does. of it feels like come into our house. Yep. It's very very well decorated. It might not be <laughs> the decoration that you would expect, right? but we gave oodles of thought to that couch. Yes. You know, and that little porcelain dog is there for <laughs> in compelling and hilarious reason. Exactly. You know? And it feels like a, a full meal watching one of their movies, you know? Absolutely. I mean, I love that idea of coming home because that is every time that you come into a new, whether it's, say, Buster Scruggs recently, you know, their most recent effort, you know... I wasn't hail Caesar. I, 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 in preparation for this, just for my own sanity. Yeah, I just made a list of, <laughs> of all the all of them in order of what I think are the, you know, my order. Oh, you made your ranking. I did. Okay, okay, I did. I made just a list of the. Uh, um, but chronological, I, but that's but great. I think Buster Scruggs is a great. Uh, uh, Cohen Brothers, I would I would categorize it as a minor Cohen. Okay, and, and, and <laughs> it's very different. It's obviously little short vignettes or pieces, um, but. We sit down to watch that sh- that film, and just everything that you just said, you flip it on, and you know exactly where you are. And what's so great about that is that you feel like you're, for the next 90 minutes or a couple of hours, you're going to be taken care of. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You're... You're like you're on a ride. You don't have to worry about it. It's not going to be bad. It's not going to be terrible. It's not going to suddenly in the third act turn into a crap show. You know, <laughs> it's just going to be terrific. 
Maybe you, and, and, and you're going to be uh, at home, as you say. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's I love awesome. It. awesome. Love them so much. Cool. Well, let's go back to the beginning for okay. you then. Yes. What, what was the first film you saw? Kind of how old you were you? Yep. All that kind of stuff. I, the first, I think, like a lot of people, the first one I saw was Raising Arizona. Yeah. I saw it, Raising Arizona, probably um, when I was maybe 19, 18, 19 years old um which which would have been early 90s okay um you know i think it was on at a party um, <laughs> okay. i was in the theater department so and it was a comedy there were comedy <laughs> people there i think i came over to someone's house and there were like a bunch of people from the theater department sitting around watching raising arizona someone had it on vhs yeah and i came in and like like maybe the like toward the end of the middle, you okay. know, and I'm like, what is this? <laughs> like, I need to see this film. So from you're the just beginning. immediately drawn in. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it's so crazy. It's so funny. Every character is so distinct. It was everything that I wanted to do as a writer, or yeah. everything that I wanted to do it, it, when I made something was like have it be so um, crisp. Yeah, you know? and I'm like, yeah. So it was a ma- right from there. I was a, 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 I had to go see the movie. I rented it, watched it so many times, <laughs> you know, and then went back and and um, looked at Blood Simple. But I think I actually didn't see Blood Simple after. I think I had to. See, I think I saw Miller's Crossing next. Okay, you know, um, I, I, I yeah. At that time. You know, everything wasn't totally on demand. You know? No, no, no. It was on walk to the VHS <laughs> you had, you had, you had, store. You had to go to the they, yeah, yeah and rent, and they didn't always have all those things. But they were like a reliable indie film. Yeah, like you could find them at most you know places, especially in the early nineties. Yeah, and I worked for Blockbuster. Oh, you, you know? did? Yeah, I did. I was I worked in the store. So um, once I was in at Blockbuster, <laughs> um, you know, once I was like it. I watched I watched <clears throat> everything you know that came out. Did you have a preference over the one the uh, the films that are more overtly comedic, like Raising Arizona versus yeah. like Blood Simple? It, I haven't seen it in years, but right. it's we just it's rewatched. Got it. a touch of quirk, but it's noir. Right? Oh no, it's, no, no, no! It's a it's a crime. It's a it's a it is a, it, That's another thing is they do kind of have a couple of modes. Yeah, you know, I mean the biggest example really isn't to me Blood Simple, though. I think you should go rewatch it because you want ninety minutes of amazing crisp filmmaking. It's 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 it has um, more moments of quiet, but there are moments that you see them repeat later on, like in um, when you think of the first act of No Country for Old Men, you know where he doesn't say, you know, you know Brolin doesn't say a word, right? yeah, you know, for huge chunks of it, <laughs> and it's totally supported by picture. It's totally supported by the tension of what's happening in the story. There's lots of quiet in Blood Simple, okay, which they're not known for. They're they're not Quentin Tarantino, but they are known for their verbosity. And yeah. their, I think they, you know, they're not overwritten, um, but they, there's a lot of dialogue yeah. and a lot of glib dialogue. Yeah. You know, that's missing from, from Blood Simple a little bit. But you see all of their stuff. So at first, um, I thought there was just comedy. I didn't, yeah. I didn't know. And you were in, you were in theater, but you still had comedy in your heart right like you were oh like yeah well coming at life from a comedy perspective you know it's funny i went to i went to college on a playwriting scholarship nice and when i when i was there i i um i wrote a couple of plays that they produced at the school and they were very 
they were not comedies. Well, actually, one was a was a kind of comedy. Okay. And one was a full, like, me trying to be Sam Shepard. Okay. Like. <laughs> but I, they appealed to me because they wrote a lot of kind of, like, if Sam Shepard was funny, you know, <laughs> you could you can imagine the Coen brothers as some of the result of that. They yeah. wrote a lot of Western characters, you know, they which I was obsessed with. You know, they wrote a lot of kind of low-life characters. Yeah. And, um, you know, my very first play... That was like that. What they produced was like two bank robbers trapped in a cabin. It's pouring rain. Wow. They, they can't escape. One of them's been snake bit <laughs> on the way up, and he's the smart one. And he's slowly dying of this snake bite. And the other one, who's sort of you know dis- mentally disabled a little bit, um, you know, he's certainly slow. Um, is He's basically it's he's waiting for the other one to die, uh, and doesn't know what he's gonna do. So it, you know, another version of me would have written that a little more with a little more comedy in it. But you could see that as a uh, you could see that in Buster Scruggs. Okay, if you if you, if you imagine yeah. that that I think the Coen Brothers could would love that material. Yeah, I it think sounds so like we, you wrote the Coen Brothers version of of Mice and Men with yeah. crime and yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that I just. Uh, the things they choose to write about are the things that interest me as well. Okay, yeah. so so you always always yeah uh, I was always in always gelled with all aspects of oh, them yeah. from the the because they have the just absolute comedy to the mildly quirky to the just this is crime right and everything in between. Yep, I think I I I was a little jarred when I saw Miller's Crossing. I was like, is this the same? Because it was from raising Arizona to Miller's Crossing. Uh, yeah, an which, amazing. I mean, I'm like, is it's amazing to me that they made that picture, you know, but it has everything in it that is them, yeah. you know. It's just the access is turned a little bit, yeah, you know. And I and that also taught me a lot as a, as a writer is that you know, your point of view can have some diversity. You don't have to kind of bang the same drum, you know. They don't bang the same drum all the time. They really don't. I mean, yes, they live in that sometimes crimes and crime and low life and stuff, but they. They can they can sort of turn the trajectory of their voice a little bit and explore other things. Yeah, that's another thing about them that's amazing. That might be part of what spoke to me because I think you and I have talked about this in in person and we're in the general same uh, uh, ballpark. Where I love comedy, but for me, comedy is a language, mm-hmm. and like you can write a play and it can be in English, which might be in drama, or it can be in comedy, which might be in French. You know, <laughs> yeah. but but there isn't a difference to the truth of. The character, the truth of the situation, it's just how you're expressing it. Yep. And I feel like that's what the Coen Brothers experience is, where you can watch a movie like Miller's Crossing and imagine that they could rewrite this to be in the language of Raising Arizona, yes. but it would still be the same story in a way. Absolutely. I, I think that's a great way to put it. Yeah. I think I, 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 uh, I'm going to say that to other people now. <laughs> well done. Awesome. So for you, you've got your ranking uh, do you have? Do the do. comedies come to the top? Is it the dramas on your ranking? Huh. What what floats towards Let me look the top at it for real you? Quick. I actually don't know. Do you mind if I no, look? Is that look, cheating? Look it up. No, not at all. Let's see. Let's see what it is. Oh, wait a minute. I don't know if I brought it. Um. Well, no. I I think actually the top five are like for me. The the their best their best film. Yeah. Um, was not a film I liked very much when I saw, when I saw it. <laughs> okay, you know, but it, but uh, so is big the Big Lebowski. So you think it, it's not just your personal favorite? You think it is their best film? Um, 
Yes. Okay. I do. That might be controversial to some people. I know it has its own cult following. And it's also because it has a cult following, um, there's a lot of people that hate it now, I think, because right, it's just too much that love it is too much. It's not the Monty yeah. Python effect where, like, yeah. you know, you can dislike Monty Python from it just being quoted at you, right? And still like actual Monty Python or yeah. try to. I, I, I think it's, um, it's got everything, everything about it is, is fantastic. Um, it's so beautifully made. Yeah. I mean, it really is. It has, and, and it has deeper, um, understandings of noir. And Chandler in particular, that that I don't think maybe are lost on the audience, but they get sort of in a subconscious way, which is that the mystery is bullshit. It's a mess, it's right? A yes, mess. it's yeah, short stories stitched together, right? Absolutely yeah. a hot blundering. <laughs> it does track. It does up, track upon yeah. review. If you go back, the the mystery all makes total total sense. It really does. Yeah, but um. It's not the point of any almost any mystery, especially L.A. Noir. It's not yeah. the crime is the MacGuffin. It doesn't matter. We're we're it, but what it does in an amazing way, which Chandler did in every single one of his books, is it allows you access to all levels of society. Yeah, the detective is a neutral character who is who is given who's granted access to every stratum. And can go there and has and hold judgment over all of them. Yeah, um, you know, sort of, and and um, that's exactly what the dude does in the most amazing way. It's it's a fantastic movie. Yeah, I but won't. Fargo, I think, is my second favorite. Really? Okay. You know, which has also got a lot of comedy in it, but it also is is dark is so dark. Yeah, you know, it is. I think Fargo's just amazing. Yeah. You know, it is. There are many people that say it's a perfect film, and they're probably right. You know, perfect role, you know. I think they both 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 those films also happen to have two stars in what might be the one of the roles of their lives. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, and Jeff Bridges is the dude, and Francis McDormand, you know, as uh, as, as a sheriff, uh, a Lunder, Lundergaard? I think no. so, yeah. 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 You know, she... Um, <clears throat> You know she's terrific. I mean, she's been obviously married to them, but to, to one of them. But she and she's in Blood Simple. But <laughs> you know, I don't know that we really knew her, knew her until we saw her in that film. No, I think know? that was her breakout role by by far. And what um, what an amazing amazing role. So yeah, yeah. And those films are back to back, right? Ninety six and ninety eight. I think ninety six for Fargo. That was when yes, ninety eight for Big Lebowski. Mm-hmm. Nine, Fargo came out. It won all the awards. It was like when REM, you know, um, uh, put out um, Green. And, um, you know, everyone suddenly loved REM. And those of us that had been, you know, um, privately enjoying them, yes. or at least in a niche. We've been quietly to, renting the VHS. Had to tolerate everybody else. <laughs> and Fargo did that. And then they then they dropped um, the, the Big Lebowski right on the heels of it. And people panned it. And they were confused. But for those of us that um, had been following the Cohen brothers, we're like, no, I mean, this is what they do. Yeah. <laughs> you <know? laughs> but they, you said when you first saw Big Lebowski that you weren't sure. Tell, tell me about that. I wasn't sure. Um, here's the part that throws me, it threw me, is it was the dream sequence, the famous scene yeah. sequence from it, where the dude, you know, with the, you know, 
seventies tune playing, and he, <laughs> he's sort of bowling through his uh, his dreams, and um, I just remember going, "Oh, they've lost the thread of it." Okay, you know, a little bit of the movie. They'd lost the the thread of the of the story a little bit, and I just remember thinking, "Oh, I don't think I've seen them really do that." You know? Okay. Um, although in Blood Simple, she has a dream that is, a, but it's it's very grounded in the story. Yeah. It could be real. You know, this was so broad. And though Raising Arizona is very broad, it followed all of its own rules. Right. You know, very, very closely. You know, um, Miller's Crossing doesn't really d- d- deal in these kinds of things. It was just a very broad um thing that i didn't appreciate initially yeah and but i did later i just i came to it later and now it's one of my favorite parts of the film i mean i own the film i watched that film i probably watch it five times a year five times a year yeah. there's something about it that is very very just completely comforting amazing. it's so it feels effortlessly yeah, funny it is yeah and the characters are so lovable there's <laughs> so many great moments yeah yeah is a big coen brothers fan uh, are you well? Let me ask first uh, uh, a theory. Yeah, I think it is possible. I'm not a Coen Brothers expert. I think it is possible that the cult love of Big Lebowski, yeah, maybe has overshadowed the whole breadth and width of their career. So if if that were true, mm-hmm. how would you feel about it? Do, so let me see if I understand the question. The question is: the Big Lebowski has has sort of become it, it, it you're saying it sh- it overshadows their lesser works or or works that were less popular yeah or like as like, a serious man or you know Lewin davis or something yeah and just like the and like going all the way back to blood simple of like that's a great yeah crunchy noir film right and but but just that kind of like if you say coen um, brothers or somebody and they go big lebowski it doesn't bother me i, I actually don't i'm not i don't it doesn't bother me and i get that that might be the owen only coen brothers movie that some people have seen. Yeah. You know, they're a pretty broad tent. I think there's there's one film that, I mean, a lot of people have seen Fargo, too, and really loved Fargo. And they did have a, a large critical hit in in um, um, No Country for Old Men. True uh, Grit did well, well, too. True Wars Grit did way, right? very, very okay. well. That was in that same zone, you know. Um I, I it doesn't bother me, but I feel bad for them sometimes, probably, because you know, um, no one. I mean, I, I when I heard that they might do a sequel to that, I was I didn't believe it, and I still don't think it's true. Um, yeah, you know, I don't think they make sequels. I don't think that's how they operate. They don't have to. Yeah, you know, they're 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 have had the same arrangement for years, and now they have one with Netflix. You know. Um, they get to make a movie a year if they want. Yeah. And um, get to do whatever they want. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they don't participate in the Big Lebowski culty stuff. Yeah. They don't care about it at all. <laughs> they don't actually seem, uh, and Joel and Ethan, if you are not this and you're somehow listening to this, <laughs> they don't seem like fun guys. Um, <laughs> you know, um, they seem like they live in a sort of creative bubble and they yeah. make they make the things they want to make. and. And maybe they're annoyed by it. Um, some of the dumber um, people who come to their films, but um, I don't think they think much about that. Yeah, I really don't. I think they just. I think they think about making the work, and they've always had that feeling. They don't pander. It doesn't yeah. it hasn't changed them in any way. No, it hasn't changed what they do or don't do. Right. You know, they just want to work with the people they want to work with, and they get to. I mean, yeah. that's the other thing about them is that's 
as someone who works in the entertainment industry, like you look at them and go, that's, that's an amazing career. Like what they, what they've been able to do yeah. is amazing. To have that freedom yeah. of just like, what do we want to explore next? Yep. Let's explore it. And let's be, let's be able to do it relatively unhindered. So it is truly our vision. Yeah. And that's why I think they've made this relationship with Netflix because, you know, what, what filmmakers need is money. Yeah. You know, and and if you're a filmmaker that's like the Coen brothers are, um, you need sometimes a lot of money, depending on what you're going to. If you're going to have a, a half a mile long wagon train, <laughs> you know, um, you know, that's 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 a complicated, expensive effort. Yeah. And um, so I think they've they just go where they think they can be creatively free and and where they think they can get the money they need to. You know, yeah, yeah. I want to ask you a little bit about kind of the the main character ideas in in a lot of Coen Brothers movies. Yeah. Uh, there's the big Lebowski side of it that is taking a Raymond Chandler novel, ridiculously complex, different levels of society, like you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a and if you know the Raymond Chandler novels, you know a incredibly intelligent, ultimately emotionally sensitive man. Philip Marlowe is normally in the center of it, so to remove him and insert. A dumb stoner <laughs> is already hilarious. Yes, but if you're not really like vibing on that, it's it's just a really funny story of a hapless idiot yes. in a complex situation. And yes. I feel like a lot of their stories are a hapless idiot in yeah. a complex situation, mm-hmm. or like on the Fargo side of it, someone everybody thinks is a hapless idiot yeah. who can actually figure out what's going on. Yeah. So, how do you feel about that that main theme of hapless idiot? In a complex situation, is that what speaks to you? Um, no, I think that's interesting. I, I, I wonder if they definitely have hapless idiots, and they definitely have geniuses. So yeah. you know, you know, uh, um, in Miller's Crossing, you know, they have a brilliant character at the center of it. Who's yeah, to, the complication is, you know, the most important part for them. You know, in Barton Fink, you have. A not stupid man um, in Barton Fink. Yeah. You know, but but he is, he's not totally hapless, really. Um, but he is, um, they love the comp, they love seeing what happens to people, I think. Okay. So I think that's what's great about the dude is it's like, so you have this guy who lives, you know, in this shitty apartment in Los Angeles in the 90s. And, you know, very specifically, um, you d- during the Saddam Hussein situation <laughs> in the early nineties, and um, he, uh, uh, they 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 go, what would be a guy who doesn't? He avoids responsibility. He avoids um, complications. Yes, of all kinds. <laughs> um, he just wants to bowl and smoke weed and and drink his <laughs> drink his Caucasians and. Um, and that's fine. He doesn't want more than that. Um, and, and again, that's what's made him fine in his life. And then they say, what if we take the most complicated thing and we put it around him? So they don't go, we want to make Raymond Chandler. I think they think, here's this character. What would be the funniest situation to put him so in? So you think they're, they're really leading with character first? Yeah. You know, it, it, the, the sheriff in Fargo is fantastic because... Here she she is she's brilliant actually quite a brilliant police officer yeah um, but you know um, her to be dragged into that world where she's you know they do a beautiful thing with her you know they they have a woman who's pregnant she has a what husband she loves 
you know yeah she's she has a great job that in a in a in, in a town that she grew up in and um but she is at a place where her life's about to change with this baby and there is a moment there is underneath her a desire for like there's that trapped feeling yeah that she has it's just underneath there she's not going to do anything about it but then this <laughs> happens and off she goes into the wider world um on this adventure and you know she eventually comes back home and realizes what she has you yeah. know and and is and that's resolved for her in the worst most terrible way but you know they they i think they give that character a world to be in as opposed to like we're going to do this thing you know i think yeah. that's what's beautiful about it it's super relatable and yeah. you know and all their films are like that lewin davis you know what if you were an amazing amazing folk singer you were you were you had nothing wrong with with you yeah. you have the looks you have the talent you have the voice you're right at the moment when folk music is becoming a cult culturally important yeah you're right in new york city where it's happening you have everything going for you but you're just this side of fame and that moment you know where he makes all these crazy choices in fact he makes the choice not to go see his well spoilers um, but <laughs> but you know but 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 where with the bob dylan moment at the end you know is is the whole thing is it's like it, it it's you can be right there and have everything and still not have it because you're not Bob Dylan. Okay. There's not one thing he could have done. There's not a, a choice he could have made um, that would have made him any different. And yeah. though, although he made many terrible choices <laughs> um, throughout that thing, you know. Um, and again, I think these are very amazing, beautiful complications that they set up and they and they tr combine them well with characters. Yeah. With, with a deep well understood character. They put them together, and then they just honestly watch what would really happen. Yeah, and just you know? let it spiral out. Let That's really really cool. Yeah, That's really cool. Um, I think I, I I think I think about the dude a lot because there's discussion and think pieces about like I people kind of just kind of PhD theses on, on Big Lebowski on and Big Lebowski. people attaching to him as a, and fan culture around it. Okay, interesting. Yep, I find it. You know, I think it is dangerous to say I want to relate to the dude yeah. because obviously he is selfish, you know, yeah. up to a point. But I think there is something so cathartic to me because I think we all at, get to a point where we're just like, I want to get up. I want to do my work, be decent rewarded for it, watch a good television show yeah. with my yeah. partner if I'm lucky enough to have one. And I just want everything else to leave me the fuck alone. Yes. And I think he encapsulates that. You know, you, you don't have to just invest in it. It would be cool if I was a slacker. Right. But more that idea of just like, I just want to go through this simple life and the world won't fucking let me. It's a damn, I mean, <laughs> in some ways, Lebowski is a damning criticism, as almost all Chandler is, of ambition in America. Yeah. You know, and and here you have a character, and Chandler in some ways is the dude, you know, he's a World War Two vet. He's sort of detached from anybody. Yeah. You know, um, he, he's, he's a sort of free radical yeah. <laughs> in that way <laughs> and, um, and unmoored to anything. And all he does is pass judgment on, yeah. on, on the ambition and, and stuff. And that, the dude might not have Chandler's bitterness. Yeah. You know, he approaches it from a perspective of trying to understand it. But like really 
look at everybody else in the film. Literally every other person in that film has an agenda that is so self-serving and so pointless. Yeah. And he, and he just, you know, he, he, just just dri- he just drifts through their life. And you're like, who's got it right? Yeah. You know? Is it is it is it him or, or the rest of these turkeys? Yeah, you know, I think the dude has it. Yeah, right, that's you know? awesome. Yeah, how important do you think uh, being quotable is to the yeah. just zeitgeist success of the Coen Brothers? I mean, it's huge. I mean, you know, you're right about that. They're they're, but, and I don't think they try to be quotable. Um, I just think that's how they write. Yeah, and um, I just think they have a unique voice together um and i think it's huge because again the the coen brothers might be from a fan perspective for some people it's like an icebreaker you know yeah <laughs> you know it's it's like if you like the coen brothers it says something about you you know yeah. or something that you're i don't know but and and being able to quote them i suppose adds to your legitimacy you know in all fan culture it's yeah. like you know you have to prove your bona fides it's you know <laughs> it, can't, it can't be just a wikipedia fan you know <laughs> you, you want a deep cut from raising arizona or yeah. from or even barton fink which no one really watches yeah, hudsucker proxy hudsucker yeah. proxy you know you know forget i mean <laughs> exactly it's, it's it's just yeah of course that adds to the yeah. the joy of it because we're we're, t- we're tickled by it yeah we just we just love a well-made thing. Yeah. Well, and I know? think you said something really uh, uh, profound. You've got such a, a writer's brain and a writer's perspective. That idea that if you're just truly writing a character in an honest moment, sometimes something's going to bubble to the surface. Like, Absolutely. I mean, like the the I'm going to paraphrase here, but like artist with a with a Thompson. You know, like that. Oh, that so feels just like well, that's what would be yeah. said to summarize an aging. It's just such an eloquent beautiful yes. funny horrible way to describe an aging gangster yes you know it's yes. just that it is just pulling out the truth instead of just like a witty bon mal that a character throws yeah. aside it's a- well that, again that's another thing too for, for writers you must you, you must watch the coen brothers you know you to be good at this what we try to do you know to be even passable you i don't know i don't know what the percentage of it is to from of writing to think to to source material, but you know, if, if, if you, you have to fill your brain with so much good stuff and the Coen brothers are just like intense, good stuff in terms of, in terms of how to write, how to make a movie. Yeah. Like if you spend any time sort of studying their process too, or, you know, talk a ton about it, but I've listened to almost every, I mean, I listen to any interview I can. Oh really? You know? Okay. Yeah. I'm hungry to learn what they they do. Supposedly, Sam Raimi made a kind of um, back. I don't know whatever happened to it, but you know, he worked with him on the Hudsucker Proxy, and apparently, he was making a kind of um, documentary oh, really? film about the process. I don't know whatever happened to the material, um, but like I remember in college hearing about that and going, oh, I can't wait till oh, that comes. Yeah. Because there's like, a, I want to learn how they do it. But I had read an article, I think in Rolling Stone, somewhere in the 90s, about um, the Big Lebowski. And they were talking about their process, you know. Yeah. They are talking about how they storyboard every scene, which is not unusual in films. But some films spend less time storyboarding simple scenes yeah like where you're just going to shoot coverage of two people talking over a desk yeah but they actually storyboard even those simple 
bits of coverage. Okay. A simple setup, you know. Yeah. And and so <laughs> they they know very. That's why their movies are great. And and some people have complained that maybe they're a little airless sometimes because they're almost too perfect. Yeah. Um. Um. Uh, which I could understand, although they can be a little cool. Some. Of the yeah, films, yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, a little distant. They're not that emotional. You know. Yeah. For a lot of people. Um, there's not a lot left to chance, you know, yeah. <laughs> and so that's what happens. That's a, one of the knocks on them, and I can completely get that, but I get that elsewhere, you know. But what I love is that every single shot is stunning, and every single sequence is stunning because they have thought so much about it. Yeah, and they know exactly what they're going to shoot and how they're going to shoot it. And um, sometimes it goes upside down. I mean, their famous story on the Big Lebowski is, you know, Walter chucking the briefcase. You know, when when they're being chased by the nihilists, you know, yeah. when they first were going to give them that Walter's dirty underwear, <laughs> you know, and and Walter, you know, the, the this plan, the storyboarded plan was for John Goodman to chuck, he's driving by in the car, the classic, by the yeah. way, which has been used in all the Sam Raimi films and same vehicle, um, you know. Uh, to chuck the thing, they realized that going forward at that speed, he, it wouldn't really work, you know? And so that's actually sh- reverse. Like that, oh, the, really? It's actually sh- um, comes to us in reverse. Um, they, they ran it backwards in oh, order wow. to get it to look the way they wanted to. So sometimes the world doesn't agree with them. They just recently, <laughs> if you listen to the Fresh Air um, interview with them about Buster Scruggs, they talk about, you know, saying action at one end of that wagon train and then like, you know, 25 minutes later, <laughs> you know, it, it, it passes. And, you know, if that's like something goes wrong and it's, I don't know, hundreds of animals, yeah, donkeys, horses, cattle, tons of extras and costumes – it's a it's a wagon train, yeah. you know. Back to one is like you know you're losing the day, yeah. You know, um, so they you know never not everything always agrees with with them, but yeah. they but they are they're very. I think they can get away with making the movies they do because they come in on budget and um, they work. Yeah, and, yeah. They, and that speaks to yeah being Plan, prepared planning. in every way. If you could actually meet them, if you could like sit down and have a drink with them, yes. What would you want to talk to him about? Oh, my God. I would just, first of all, I would have to, like, I'd have to have a mock meet. Like, I'd have to have my friends play them. <laughs> You'd have to storyboard it out. Yeah, I'd storyboard <laughs> it because the last thing I want to do is waste those guys' time. Um, what would I ask them? I would ask them about their writing process. Okay. I would like to know sort of nuts and bolts, very nerdy, writery things about how they work. Do they work together? Do they work in the same room? Do they write pages and send them to each other and edit each other's pages? Yeah. Like, what's the process most of the time? Um, you know, um, what's the relationship like in that room? Do they yeah. get along most of the time? I would just be curious to know. And um, I would also like to know a little bit about... I would like to answer some suspicions I have. Oh, okay. About, about them. You know oh, what I mean? Oh, that's awesome. Like, I have suspicions about how I think it works. I wonder if those are real or not, you know? Because I, I like to think in my fantasy about them that um, their ideas come from their passions yeah. you know or that they come from like they read this novel or i read this book and then they 
and they whittle down ideas. I guess I would like to see if it's like how I work, you know, <laughs> so I can imagine I'm them. But but I think I work that way. So I'm like, do you, is that universal? You know, the idea yeah. of like how you whittle down what you're going to work on next and what's that process like and what do they choose to spend their time on and how do they choose projects and what, how do they know when it's the right one because there's usually some kind of signal yeah. that you have. Especially when they don't have as many yeah. boundaries. Obviously, they work within a certain budget. They're not exactly. making in blockbusters uh yeah they said on buster scruggs they were like you know like why do they they had all these vignettes this is what they said now this just blows my mind They're like yeah we had a lot of like these you know they weren't meant to be together or anything we had just each written these little shorts these western shorts <laughs> um and they were just sort of sitting around in a drawer when netflix said they wanted to do something you know we were like well what about putting those all together in a sort of and then they come up with that connecting idea yeah. uh you know the sort of book of um, western tales that beautiful book that i love that way they've done it and they're like oh that'll be our way into all these stories it'll give us yeah. some, some tissue to connect them um and stuff and you're like you just wrote Western shorts and they just, there's got to be more to that story. You know? It's not like a thing that people do. They're not like, oh, we went to brunch and then, you know, we went home and wrote some Western shorts yeah. like you do. <laughs> like you do. Yeah, I had some eggs and then I came home, knocked out a Western short, took the dog to the dog park, you know. If you couldn't ask them about process, if it was something where it's like you knew that you were going to end up sitting at the same table and it was sort of like, the Coen brothers are friendly, but don't ask them about work. And you want oh. to just bullshit with them. I'm curious what that would be. Oh, boy. Oh. I mean, you you are a, a gifted conversationalist. <laughs> uh, well, thank you. Um, I think I would also just, I guess I would ask them about what it's like to work with your, I mean, the other part I'm fascinated about, because I have brothers and a sister, and I can't. I don't want to share a beach house with them. Yeah. Much less a career with them. <laughs> yeah. And I certainly wouldn't want to make a motion picture with them. Yeah. Um. I want to ask about that. Now I've read a lot about it. Okay. You know, um, um, Bruce Campbell wrote a book a few years ago, um, where they they're touched on in it because they're all from Michigan. Yeah. And they knew each other really well, and they all worked on Evil Dead and all that stuff together in the Sam Raimi days and stuff and and stuff. But, like, I would like to hear about, like, what what's that like? Were they supported by their parents? Like, what do their parents think? Like, how do they get out of Michigan? Like uh, Minnesota? Or, um, Minnesota. Yeah, yeah, they're from Minnesota. Right. But they somehow knew each other. Maybe they met in Texas. Yeah. I think they met in Texas. But they were all like Midwestern guys. Yeah. How did you like escape, you know, and like, you know, what was that like? Like what what's what what is it like to work with your brother so closely for yeah. like, all of this time? It it I mean, it can't be perfect all the time. <laughs> and I'm yeah. sure it's I'm quite sure it's not. And then I would love I know it's not processed, but I would love to hear about their because I'm fascinated about what is it, what's been your journey through this business. Okay. Let's hear those stories. Like, let's hear the crazy actor stories. Who are the people that you worked with, you know, that you would never tell this story in public, Yeah, you know, or like on, on the record, but like, who was who was batching? <laughs> who was delightful? Tell us your shitty note stories from executives. Like, tell me your stories. Oh, yeah. like, I want to hear the the gossip about what it's like they, for them. Because I'm always 
I think we're all interested as we navigate this business, you know, to like hear other, it's very like encouraging to hear other people's terrible stories for some reason. Right. Cool. Cause you can feel like maybe I yeah. fucked up or how did I get myself in this position? Like yeah. sometimes you didn't, sometimes you're just the dude and this shit is happening around yeah, you. I just like to hear like, what are their, what are their notes? Like what, what do they say to executives? Like there was a time when they had, I'm sure they don't take notes now, but yeah, you know, there's that famous David Chase story, you know, um, on Sopranos, you know, he had been a big TV writer for a long time and I love David Chase and I love Sopranos, but this story made me laugh. It was very, the briefest version of this is, is that a young, he had a young writer, a not untalented or unsuccessful writer joined the staff, Okay, but youngish, middle level, stoked to be there, very excited. David Chase said to him, hey, HBO's calling with notes. I want you to take the notes, right? Um, which is a, a big, in any room, like, being in the room for the notes. Yeah. It just being allowed to hear the notes in the room means that you're in the upper level of the staff. Okay. And then but taking the notes from the network is like that's like the showrunner or their seconds. It's not like the new guy. Yeah. So he takes these notes from HBO, he writes them all down <laughs> faithfully, he goes and types them up, he brings them into David Chase. He's like feeling pretty good like this guy likes me already he hands him the notes and david chase just takes them and just puts them in the trash <laughs> puts them right in the trash and you know but he wasn't always doing that right or was he i or, mean maybe yeah. that's why they're great but i don't think so so i want to hear that journey yeah d- yeah you did know? they trash the notes and if so yeah 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 how do they in do the it? process like i want to humanize them a little yeah bit. so it yeah, I, I wasn't going to ask about this, but since you brought it up, you said that you're not sure if they're great guys. Where does that come from? Is that just an instinct that they're that they're because they have this this sort of amazing career of getting to be in a creative bubble that they would just have a real different perspective? Well, like I've heard them interviewed a little bit, and my instinct from them about them as people is that they are. Um, you know, well, look, we both love geek culture and yeah. spend a lot of time around people in geek culture, <laughs> you know, and there are terrific people in this, in the geek world. And then there's like those in sort of, I'm not saying they're this, but insufferable, know-it-all. They are brilliant. They are probably, okay. you know, smarter than you, but they have like zero social <laughs> skills, <laughs> you know, like there's just this sense I get from them that they are not like fun that they're okay is that that's what you said not yeah yeah you didn't say they're bad guys you said yeah fun, I, I don't not fun. i just get this feeling that they might be a little like maybe they are a blast but they, they just seem um sort of intimidating they can maybe look like they can also kind of not suffer fools yeah a little bit i i get that feeling i've also met i've had the opportunity as we all you know as many of us do in this business to meet your some of your heroes, and, yeah, you know it's often disappointing, well, you know, you, because yeah. they're human beings, you, you, and, and you can put a lot on them, right? Yeah, yeah. and especially somebody, yeah. people like the Coen Brothers that make things that are so quirky, yeah. so human, so full of life. Yes, but then you know, as a creator myself and knowing creators, I know like sometimes when I have come up with what I think is like some of the most absurd and fun stuff in those moments then i am just totally in my world like yeah. i'm a robot right you know and people it's that kind of thing of people like if you do comedy you just be must be doing cut them up yeah. at the dinner table all the time like yeah no i'm quite quiet and thinking about you know things yeah there intensely. are a lot of comedy people are like that a lot of they are exactly like that they're 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 um super 
shut down a little bit. Yeah. You know? Um, well, famous story, um, not related to this, but this is a great example. So, you know, there's the modern family story, right? You know how modern, you've heard, probably heard how it works. There's two yeah. showrunners. And one of them is um, this guy, um, um, uh, David, uh, no, what's his name? From, um, he has the same name as Doc Brown. His name was in my pilot. I okay. Name. <laughs> um, um, yeah. Who am I thinking of? Like I, Jim on Taxi. He, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, yes, that person. Yes. Oh my God, why can't we think of his name? <laughs> he was in my thing. Uh, Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd. Christopher he, Lloyd. There okay, we go. So there's Chris Lloyd and... Uh, I forget the other guy's name. But Star Trek three star Christopher Lloyd. <laughs> there we go. There you go. That's Much better. I, <laughs> I can't believe that came out of my... That's so crazy. Um, but... So one of them is... Um, Steve Levitan's the other guy. One of them is like the fun showrunner, you know, like he's boisterous and, um, you know, intense and, um, you know, they don't work together at all. They, they, by the way, they don't even, they barely speak. They they trade episodes or something, right? They trade episodes. They're not friendly um, and pretty openly. Uh, I mean, they're not good friends. But they trade episodes, and they run them very different. So if you're in Chris Lloyd, who's David Lloyd's son, David Lloyd, very famous television writer, Cheers, and um, yeah, and Frasier, you know, um, very legendary figure in TV comedy writing. You know, he runs it just like his dad does. Like there's no crosstalk in the room. You know, um, you know, you 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 don't just blurt out an idea. There's no like we're gonna just just have an open forum you know yeah. you have to write it down and raise your hand and you sort of read a fully formed he doesn't want bits that are like gonna halfway get you there okay you know, he my, wants solid pitches he wants for your every solid little line, pitch every little scene yeah okay. for every little thing and that's just how he doesn't want to be cluttered up with like he doesn't want that. and But I just couldn't work in a room like that. But that's what you find sometimes with comedy people is that they can be quite mechanical. Because yeah. comedy is quite mechanical. And the Coen Brothers films are quite mechanical. Yeah. They work well, but they work like a clock. <laughs> yeah. They work one way very well. And if you move this little gear two millimeters over here, it doesn't work <laughs> as well. And so all their things are high degree of difficulty jokes, high degree of difficulty characters, high degree of difficulty scenarios. They're not lowest common denominator and they only work if you're operating them correctly. Yeah. They they're they're not user friendly, you know, yeah. ideas that they work with. So that makes me think that they might be not that much fun. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's an interesting uh, take. Yeah, I, on, I hope I'm wrong. Comedy I would process. St- you know, I I would gladly sit awkwardly with them quietly in the yeah. room. Um, I'd be happy. To <laughs> yeah, do that. but I listen wonder, to their brains. Huh? I wonder yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Uh, final question for this uh, main section of the podcast. You are also an actor. Yes. If you could play any sort of type in a Coen Brothers movie, oh. what type would you want to be? Well. I would look. I think they cast the greatest character actress on the planet. You know, yeah. And, I, and you, you choose any film you want. You know, from Blood Simple to Raising Arizona to, you know, Hail Caesar. Yeah. You know, they cast people that look like they should look <laughs> for that role. <laughs> so I'm gonna say I'm. I want to go with them, and I would be happy to play 
a detective. I would take play either of the roles in Hudsucker Proxy <laughs> of the two detectives in the diner. You know, I would be happy to play, you know, the fellow Seamus in, uh, in, in, in The Big Lebowski. I'd be happy to play a dopey goofball, you know, character. On the, I would love to be that. I would, but, you know, the ultimate is Walter. You know? Yeah. And oh, and you would be a great Walter. You, could. I would. I would be a great cosplay for Walter. But I don't. John Goodman's uh, the per- again the perfect cast. He's perfect. He's perfect. But yeah, have you ever been tempted uh, to uh, cosplay? Cosplay Walter. I have, and I'm not tempted to cosplay as I think you know. Um, <laughs> it's not my uh, my uh, my thing. Um, but at Dragon Con, because we've gone there a few years, I thought, oh, that might because it's such a heavy cosplay. Yeah. Con, I thought, oh man, I'd I'd love to do that. I could be and, Walter here. Yeah, I could be Walter here. <laughs> I could be Walter here. I enter Walter. I mean, I've got the cargo shorts. So. You're ready to go. I'm ready to go. We're going to move on to our how obsessed are you questions. Uh, so these are questions I ask all my guests or variations of them. Do you think about Coen Brothers movies every day? I absolutely do. Okay. No hesitation yeah. at all. It just I, floats through your mind, a quote or a scene or an idea. I, All the above. Also add to that list, I'm not as good at them. That plays. Oh, really? So I'll be writing something, and I'm like, well, why are you doing this? Because you'll never be those guys. I have wow. that feeling sometimes. That's how much I love them. Um, and then I think of how much I'm copying them. So I'll try to think of some cool idea or some funny scenario or some interesting thing. And I think, oh, well, they already did that so great. You know, so there's that feeling of like being um, oppressed by them a little <laughs> bit, too, as a writer, because they've done so much so well. Well, yeah. And, and you have, I think of them every day easily. Yeah. And if the Coen brothers never existed, you would have been interested in crime. You would have been in, interested in comedy. You would have been interested in what is it to be from the Midwest or the yeah. or, or the what are the, you know, the triumphs and the sins of Americana. It seems like a yeah. lot of their themes are things that you just naturally but, gravitate toward. But don't toward. they make you feel like... I mean, maybe they don't make you feel this way, but they make me. F- they 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 affected the trajectory of my work a lot. Yeah, because they because they exist. I believed the tone that I would like to take when it comes to, to crime writing, um, which is something I'm only in the last few years really having delved into. Yeah, you know, is I I like the comedies sort of absurdity of crime yeah and the absurd characters involved in crime you know like that appeals to the comedy side to me um but if, if i there was no coen brothers and i didn't have an example of how to blend that that pitch black humor like everyone talks about this great example is not a, not the a minor cohen okay. burn after reading <laughs> they're not all the greatest but I, I happen to like burn after yeah. reading quite a lot and perfect example is, again, it's been out for a million years, so yeah. there's no spoilers here. Um, but Brad Pitt, you know, he plays such a dope in it, and he's adorable in it, and but he's really broad and dumb, and he's maybe not the best casting for a Coen Brothers movie, but he's a fun character. Yeah. And he's, you know, you've got um, Richard Jenkins there, you know, um, who is maybe one of our great character actors yeah. of all time. And I'm so soulful in this film as he is in everything. And Brad, and Brad Pitt is hiding in the closet. You know the scene I'm talking yeah. about. 
you know, it's funny, it's goofy. He's a dumb gym rat who's broken into his boss's, um, you know, um, house. He's hiding in the closet. And the boss, the door opens, he's surprised, and he just brutally shoots Brad Pitt in the chest. <laughs> Kills him in a brutal, and brutal I'm way. I'm laughing and I shouldn't be. Yeah. The hard turn of of that moment the absurdity of that setup yeah. and then the brutal violence that comes immediately afterwards is how Cohen, the Cohen brothers affect me yeah. and I, if they had not existed i don't think i would have known that was possible that, that was possible i don't know okay it's, it's very hard they've been a huge part of of my thinking about that stuff so okay Interesting. Thinking yeah, about this, this is case deep. has gotten very complicated. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, would you ever get a Coen Brothers tattoo? I am not a tattoo person. Yeah. But um, and it might be it's a little too late for me to become one. <laughs> um, I don't know. But it, I could see myself getting one. Okay. I could see it. I could see it in a moment. Do you have a specific image or idea? <sighs> That mm. that speaks to you, or is it just that, like, yep, it's close enough to my heart that? I'd... Wow, boy, there's. I could, I'm just gonna improvise because I've never thought of this okay. before. So I could see. I'd love it. Like, you could do like a great just outline line drawing of two feet sticking out of a wood chipper. <laughs> you know, I think that would be pretty that'd great. Be, yeah, that'd be pretty um, badass. You know, um, there are, I mean, there are, it is a thing, you know, the the dude tattoos are a thing. The dude, the, yeah, there's some dude sleeves out there, aren't there? Absolutely. Um, yeah, I could see, I could see getting, uh, you know, uh, just an out like a graphic of the dude with a, uh, a mustache with a little bit of, uh, <laughs> of white Russian in it. <laughs> You know, <laughs> that is a really fun challenge for a tattoo artist. Like, can you do kind of like a milky substance? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have so many sort of like shirts. Like this is yeah, I'm wearing one now. So great. Yeah, real stylized a, cartoon. Sort of stylized, like sort of like from the '70s graphic design. Yeah, or even '60s, really. Um, but you know, yeah, like something like that. Where yeah, I'm pointing yeah. to the dude, where it's just sort of the elements that make the dude up, sort of cartoonish dude. Yeah, and he does have a little bit of that milky uh, residue there in the old yeah. beard, yeah, the old white Russian catcher there. Uh, speaking of t-shirts, would you wear a t-shirt that says "Ask me about the Cohen Brothers"? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> that's a hard pass. Yeah, is that just because you don't want you want to choose when and how you engage? I don't. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that just the idea of ask me anything okay. about it um, <laughs> just makes me sweat. Okay, I don't care what it is. <laughs> okay, ask me about anything is a no. Yeah, I want to. I want this to be a mutual thing. We come to. <laughs> I don't want surprise conversations. So you'd prefer? Uh, I am open to discussing the Coen Brothers. Should you be interested? <laughs> that's like... a little wordy, but I, I think I think that's a good fix. <laughs> okay, fair yeah. enough. If there was a mysterious hole in the woods and someone told you there was an unreleased Coen Brothers movie in there, would you stick your hand in the hole? Oh, my God, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't care what's in there. I don't care if I lose a finger. I don't care if I lose a whole hand. I don't care if I'm pulled to hell. I, don't, I honestly don't care. If I believe it's possible, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Without question. Wouldn't you? Okay. Yeah. That seems like a no-brainer to a me. A lot of people say no to the hole in the woods question. I haven't asked it a lot. But, oh, my yeah. God. But it's also very Coen Brothers. It feels like, well, I'm in a Coen Brothers movie. If yes. just a random hole in the that woods. That could be a plot <laughs> device. Who's going to stick their hand in there? In the in the word, like, kind of Barton Fink 
yeah. uh, tone. I'm just writing some Woods shorts. <laughs> I'm just setting them to the side in case Netflix calls. So good. Uh, we already talked about cosplay. I was going to ask this here, but we, we talked about it. You, yeah. you would tip toward it if you were ever going to cosplay. Yes. Maybe. maybe the obvious me. one would be Walter. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of other things I could pull off that are probably deeper cuts. Um, the other detective um, from um, from The Big Lebowski is pretty okay. good. Yeah. His brother Seamus is not too bad. Um, let's see. Who else? Um, oh, well, I, I, Michael Lerner in Barton Fink would be oh, good. Oh, yeah. 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 You know, um, yeah, I could see it. Yeah, because you could see, I think, the 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 fun of being in the character, in a license to kind of oh, yeah. behave a little like them. Absolutely. Within, you know, pose for photos and get to feel that, like, oh. that feeling of being them. <laughs> you know who would be good? I'm a little too big for it, is um, 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 Philip Seymour Hoffman's uh, Kent oh, from... Yeah. from uh, from the Big Lebowski is pretty good. His Smithers is subservient. He's yeah. in seclusion in the West Wing. <laughs> that would be beautiful. Uh-huh. Would you ever have a Coen Brothers themed birthday party? Yes. Yeah. That'd what, be great. What would that be like for you? Would it just be like a movie watching party? Would you ask people to cosplay or? Yeah, I think I would just have like I'm not really I don't like making people do things at parties. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I think I would. Say come as your favorite Cohen characters, and I would, I would um, suggest going deeper. Okay. So if you want to be M.M. at Walsh from Blood Simple, that's ideal. Okay. <laughs> like a yellow. First of all, he's very cosplayable. Yeah. Um, he's got kind of a yellow sort of polyester cowboy suit on. You know, um, it's pretty great. You know, but uh, there's so many to choose from. Yeah. You know, I would say I would want people in costume, and then I would I'm I'm very big on the sort of what you're eating and drinking. So, yeah. um, you know, for sure, there's going to be white Russians. You know, I'm trying to think of what other food would be important to have there. Yeah, I'm trying to think if Fargo uh, um, does any focus on the Midwestern foods, uh, not so the Minnesotan food, not so much in that film. But you could, yeah. I would, I would, I would come up with themed, okay, themed f- foods. Yeah, you know, you have a lot of choices. Yeah, you know, uh, my friend, uh, comedian in the Twin Cities, Ari Hopman, uh, is in A Serious Man. Oh, uh, I know, uh, I, you know, I, I, it's been so long, I don't okay. remember the the character's name. Yeah, uh, but that's yeah, a minor I mean, Cohen. It, yeah, but actually, for me, it's very high on my list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was. It, it made. It, I was living in, but not a lot of people yeah. saw it. Yeah. yeah, I was in Minnesota when. I wasn't performing as much yet when they were making Fargo, but I know you know lots of amazing people uh, in there. But but a serious man was like every actor in town was like, okay, I will be in the Coen Brothers movie. Yeah. Uh, but my friend Ari Hopman is in it, so if I had to go to your party, maybe I would you know email Ari and say, that's could awesome. you send me your clothes? That's the greatest. <laughs> I'll dress up. Oh as my you, god. Ari. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. He's hilarious. You're making He's me want to have a big Lebowski party. Oh, let's do it. Yeah, there's so many things we could do. Yeah. Oh. You know. Um, we should, we could have some bowling. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, um, you know, we have to we have to visit um some other films that are a little like you know less yeah uh, uh, popular yeah you know as well. But yeah, I would think about it hard. That's a good one. Awesome, awesome. Yep. Uh, would you buy and eat the Big Lebowski themed breakfast cereal? Uh, no. 
uh, is that just too too? Uh, I don't get it. It doesn't mean anything to you. No, it's just yeah, it's just corn yeah. puffs with some branding. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want. I don't. That would be that. I will say that's that's kind of weird. First of all, <laughs> yes, it is. You know what I mean? There's there aren't you know. Um, uh, you know, eyes wide shut, um, <laughs> juice boxes or something. You know, I mean, I mean, I'm not sure that these 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 are directors that lend themselves to to uh, merchandising. Yeah. Although, I, you know, there's obviously figures, and I do have a, a number of uh, collectible things from the Big Lebowski. Um, but there are there aren't really collectibles for. Uh, I mean, like other movies would be like yeah. Raising Arizona would be perfectly fun to have action yeah. figures or that. Like, yeah, yeah obviously you, you probably don't want a simple man action figures. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, well, I guess you know, I there are things I would love to have. I know you can get like from No Country for Old Men. You know, um, you know, you can have the, the like, got different assassins. You can buy those. You know, oh, is uh, yeah, action figures, Lego, Abs- absolutely. Yeah, okay. um, no, they're vinyl okay. ones. Um, of course, you know when uh, um, some of them are custom made. Oh you wow, know? they're definitely custom made, like minifigs. Okay, you can get of, of them. <laughs> There's sometimes, uh, you know, it's a little hard to kind of pull out something that's going to really identify. But he has that great hair. Oh, right, you know, right, right. Sort of bowl cut, which is perfect for yeah. for Lego. Yeah. But um, but the breakfast cereal seems just too cheap and uh, yeah. not – it wouldn't make you feel any closer to the – No, it seems yeah, – I just I, – it just – there's no connection whatsoever. <laughs> okay, to, fair to, enough. To it. Uh, if the dude was real and had a GoFundMe, would you support it? <laughs> well, the dude is – was is real? It was real, Israel. Yeah, that's um, right. Um, he's a little bit of a his. Uh, my my daughter used to work at Book Soup for okay. many years, a couple years before. Well, before she went off to college, and he he came in. Oh, really? Okay, and pretty regularly, and he had a book signing there, and apparently he was a real a real creep. Okay, so <laughs> um, so the real dude that he's based on? No, the dude from the movie. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. But I have to say, what would can you see the dude organizing a Kickstarter? No. But if it if he did, it would probably be a rent party. Yeah. You know? Um I don't think he has projects. No. You know? So I'm not hundred percent sure. But if he, if he had medical problems, I'd help him out. <laughs> Why not? He's a yeah. great guy. Yeah, he's addicted to this Stella now yeah. from that uh, football commercial. He's a heavy drinker. The Super Bowl commercial. You know, yeah. he's an all day drinker. <laughs> so yes, that's going to have an effect on his body. At All some day, Stella. He needs yeah. to go fund me for that. Uh, if you were about to see a new Coen Brothers movie, but a bear was blocking your path, would you try to get around the bear? <laughs> okay, so let me imagine. I'm, I'm at the ArcLight yeah. in Sherman Oaks. Um, look. <laughs> the bear's inside the mall. Yeah. He's in there at the top of the escalator. Yep. <laughs> um, would I try to get by that bear? No. Okay. No, no I, I'm too much of a literalist. I think I love the Coen brothers. Yeah. But I'll wait till it streams. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm probably not going to fight a bear okay. to get in there. You would not even risk sidling around one. Well, is, is this bear... I mean, I don't know, man. <laughs> I mean, you know... I think it's one of those things where it's like, you're like, let's just walk around the bear. Yeah, and see... It's fine. He's, oh, he's distracted. It's just a bear. 
He's over there. He's distracted with with yeah. uh, with another person by the nail salon. <laughs> you know, it's okay. But I would. I also project the my wife's disappointment in me when she's like, "So you had an option to go home, but you tried to go buy the beer." And that'd be I'm more afraid of. I it's her damning means, judgment afterwards. Yeah. Like, so this is your fault, really. So yeah, you made this. This choice. bear took your arm off. And it's your all hundred percent. I can't. I can't deal with that. I damage. see that. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Because yeah. I, you know, I ask the question because I know that I have the impulse in myself to sometimes, if I'm super into something in the moment, that I'm not going to think clearly. <laughs> but I also have that impulse that you do of the like, uh, then I'm going to have to explain how this happened. That's it to people who love me. That's what and stops see us. the disappointment in their eyes. That's what's. It's very Midwestern quality. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, a lot of what stops us is the eventual having to explain things <laughs> yes. if they go upside down. As soon as you picture the like, how did that happen? Nope. Well, I don't want that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's a good answer. I ask everyone to make a noise to sum up their obsession. What kind of noise do you have for the Cohen brothers? A noise. A noise. It could be like evocative of what. Uh, of what the Coen brothers make you feel or something that um well I guess I would just I'd say Shomer Shabbos <laughs> Shomer Shabbos <laughs> I mean it's that intensity of character it's the intensity the specificity yeah the um like you know Walter in that moment is absolutely upset that anyone would doubt his Judaism yeah at all <laughs> um, even especially the dude, you know, and um, that is exactly the kind of character that they write. Yeah, is that someone they they don't write soft middling characters. Yeah, you know, um, and that I think that's a perfect example. Of yeah, that. that's awesome. <laughs> that's a word, not a sound, but it, the way I said it, it almost just sounded like a sound. <laughs> it counts. I find it canonical. Uh, I ask everyone to rate their obsession on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the highest, 1 being the lowest. How obsessed do you think you are? I, I actually think I'm probably 10. Okay. You're I, all in. Yeah. I am all in, and I think the reason it makes me a t- I'm, I'm 10 on that one is because I can't see myself doing what I'm doing in my life without having yeah. had Cohen Brothers work as inspiration and as motivation, yeah, you know, um, I just can't see myself wanting to keep doing this. Yeah, you know, they, they, the fact that they exist, <laughs> you know, um, means it's somehow possible. And um, yeah, so I think about them a lot, probably too much, but I know <laughs> I'm not alone. Yeah, um, no. So yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because yep. they're they're clearly in there deep, and I think they are a great yeah. inspiration. Uh, I know for me, seeing them and seeing like that, that kind of comedy can be put on screen yes. and people can find it and appreciate it. You know, their comedy in particular speaks to me. Yeah. Um, and it's it's powerful stuff. But their dramas too in the way that, they, I mean, the, the, if you think of some of the, you know, when they do their retrospective on the Coen brothers, you know, that's it. I, ch- I, 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 I would, uh, I pity the person who's going to choose these the iconic moments yeah. from their films to put together in that package because um, they 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 aren't just great writers they aren't just funny they aren't just you know they're 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 really iconic 
storytellers. Yeah. And and every aspect of that that goes into that storytelling, they have um they're like Kubrick level perfectionists. Yeah. And care about it that deeply and that intensely. It's like you you can almost choose it from any of the film whether you like the movies or not. There are images that are stunning in every there's scenes that are astounding from every single one of them. Yeah. You know. And so yeah, I I I think that's they're they're the best. Yeah. That's it. Full 10. Full 10. Full 10. Uh, we have reached the plugging section of the podcast. Can you let people know where they can find you on social media if you want yeah, to be found? Sure. You can find me at, I always forget, um, at uh, Brian D. Bradley at tw- on Twitter. Okay. Where I hang out mostly. And at Captain TBD, I believe, on Instagram. I'm sometimes there, not nice. as frequently. That's mostly pictures of my dog and pictures of me holding glasses of wine. Um, it's not a fantastic perfect Instagram, Instagram presence, as far as I'm concerned. I think it, it's well, it's some. I just heard someone say that every photograph you take is a, is a selfie, right? Oh, every wow. single photograph you take is a self portrait because the things that you choose to take pictures of are bound up in yeah. what you are as a human being, you know? And so they say a lot about us, yeah. you know? And so looking at mine, you know, it's mostly my dog, my wife, my daughter, and wine. <laughs> That's know? a full life. Yeah. 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 That tracks. <laughs> awesome. Anything else you want to plug right now? Not right now. Um, I'm, I'm sort of in between on things. Um, I'm not, uh, I'm not doing much at the moment. I'm, I'm just writing. Yeah. So that's, I don't have a lot to plug. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but that's great. Yeah, you get to be writing. <laughs> uh, here's some quick plugs uh, for this show, and then we'll do our final questions. Great. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram as at Joseph Scrimshaw and look at my selfies. Uh, you can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook as at Obsessed Podcast. You can also check out the Star Wars podcast I co-host that is called Force Center. For info on all my upcoming shows and comedy albums and stuff like that, you can check out my website at josephscrimshaw.com. And you can support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. Full info on that, go to patreon.com slash josephscrimshaw. And I should mention, uh, right now on Adult Swim, on the their website and on their app, uh, Tigtone, the fantasy comedy show that I did some writing on, is available, so you can go check out Tigtone. Here are the uh, final questions. Yes. If you were an action figure, what accessories would you come with? Me, an action figure? Yeah. Just the action figure of Brian Bradley? Yeah. Um, you would come with a glass of, of wine. <laughs> um, nice. You would come with a television remote. <laughs> um, and you would come with very, you know, a selection of very comfortable pants. <laughs> so you're, you're a little bit of a, an action figure uh, doll hybrid that yeah. you can switch out the pants. Yeah, I like the cloth ones. I like to have cloth clothing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. action figures with the cloth clothing. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like maybe if you had like different hands, you could switch out. It, yeah, it would it would be uh, you know. Uh, one with a glass of wine. Nice. One with a remote. Uh, one with a video game controller. You get the picture. Okay. Yeah. 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 But that's yeah. awesome that you would. Uh... <laughs> I love the idea of an action figure. Like, well, what can you change in that? Just the hands and the pants. Just the hands and the pants. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much the same. <laughs> Everything else stays yeah. the same. If you could turn into anything once a month during the full moon, what would you turn into? Um, I would. I would love. To be, hmm. I think I would either become a wolf. 
Ooh, very classic. Okay, classic, yeah. Classic. Although when I think of literally being a wolf in Los Angeles, I think it's because a lot of complications. So <laughs> I, you know who seems to be having a, a good time? Squirrels. Oh, wow. They seem to be having a nice yeah. time. Yeah. I could turn into a squirrel. I'm a were squirrel. You're a were squirrel. Yeah, you got a, that nice yard. I bet you see some squirrels in your yard. Yep. I see. I got my fair share of squirrels. <laughs> are you at? Are, are you trying to keep them out of the garden? Are they a problem? Not me. Um, my dog. <laughs> my dog is. Um, he's in a. He's in a constant battle. The way I think of the Cohen brothers every day, he thinks of squirrels. <laughs> <laughs> they are inspired. his obsession. You can have him on here. I, I think it would be a terrible podcast, but you bring him on because he really is obsessed. With okay, them. but they okay. seem to be having a nice time. So, if you were going to turn into a squirrel, would you would you hang out in your yard and frustrate your own dog, or would you go to a different yard? Oh no, man! I'd uh, I'd uh, I'd. I'd navigate the treetops of Los Angeles. <laughs> You'd go exploring. Absolutely. I'm going to go to Muswin Franks. No, no, yeah. man. I'd, I'd like to see what it looks like. Can you imagine crawling along wires uh, just from, like, the valley all the way over the hill? All the way you to know? Hollywood. Yeah. You can go anywhere. Security can't stop you. Yeah, you can go chew on the Hollywood sign. Absolutely. Yeah. You can do anything. You're you a squirrel. You can do anything you want. That's amazing. Yeah. Final question for everyone on the podcast. You've answered it before, but it can change. What is happiness? Happiness, um, gosh, I, I, I think sometimes I, I lately when I'm really, really happy yeah. is when like it's a, it's a Sunday and my wife says something like, do you want to just watch movies all day? <laughs> and you go without, you give a little bit of a careful hesitation like, ah, I probably should be, yeah, I do. <laughs> I do want to watch movies all day. Yeah. And um, I think like, you know, five movies to watch, you know, nice. um, we're going to order in, we're going to drink some wine, um, we're going to enjoy some perfectly legal recreational weed, and <laughs> and just watch, uh, and that makeup should be like a couple of new things and one thing that we want to watch again, yeah. uh, that we watch again and again. A beloved classic. Absolutely. A middle of the day movie festival is one of the Especially middle of the week, yeah, you know, which is one of the nice things about work, working, having the kind of lifestyle the, that we have, yeah, which is you know feast your famine. But sometimes you're just you know you're just available in the middle of the yeah. week, and um, <laughs> and you know that's a great way to fill the day. I love it. I yeah. do that. TV shows, movies, I just like taking in uh, stories. Yeah, there yeah. is nothing quite like that. Uh, I think that uh, we're gonna relax and we're just gonna go to different worlds. And yeah. it both it both gives your brain such a break, but also fills your brain. Yes. And it's it, I think as writers, you know, it's a, it could be a slip, can be a slippery slope. But you're you're yeah. filling, you're recharging your your batteries. Like you could just say that as you're I have done the, at some bad times. Supposed to fill the well, life, you but. know, and and um, fill it up with stuff. And for me, it's like I think for if you're a writer, you better be reading. You better be watching movies. You, if you're writing and a screenwriter, yeah. you better watch movies, watching television. You better be doing all that. Anyone that's not doing that, I don't know. I don't get that at all. Yeah. Like, I don't understand how you can even know that. And again, I'm a good fan. Like, I don't spend a lot of... I, I, I sometimes can be a little annoying when there's... Because I, I, I've run a TV show and I've been on sets and been in yeah. charge of that stuff. I, I, I sometimes see badly done things. Especially in television, yeah, and that agitates me, um, <laughs> you know. Um, but and my wife can be like, maybe you don't need to tell me all that, <laughs> and she's right. Um, but I'm mostly a pretty good like audience member. Yeah, I'm there to be entertained, and when you don't entertain me, I'm 
furious about it. <laughs> you wasted my time. You wasted my time. Yeah. But when you get it right or even come pretty close, I'm so grateful. Yeah. You know, yeah. I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. That is a great answer. Thank you so much for doing the podcast. Thanks for having me back. Talking about one of my favorite things in the world. I was so excited. Yeah, this is so great. I've wanted to talk about the Coen brothers for a long time. And, and man, awesome. I'm, I'm so excited to revisit some of my favorites and watch the few that I have missed. Thanks again. That is our podcast. <laughs> Bye. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. The scene where, um, in in Fargo, where uh, she goes to dinner with a high school friend, this Japanese guy. Um, That scene is, to me, one of the most brilliant things committed. Um, First of all, it's hilariously, hysterically funny. Um, It's also filled with absolute tension. And Margie, like, sudden like more than almost anything else that happens in that movie that opens her eyes to how the world really is is the idea that this guy would would have you know want to hook up with her <laughs> you know the idea of that 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 that, that, that like everybody is sort of poisoned everybody is a little bit everything's kind of shitty and she's got it pretty good at home um i think is such an amazing scene 